I like big butts and I cannot lie. Um, okay. Chuck, Chuck, one, two. Starting Chuck, audacity. Chuck. Yep. Starting the recording. Um, it, if you're recording, George, yeah. I can't believe I haven't done this Zoom and recording on the same computer all this time. I don't know why I fucked around with my phone for four years. It's way better. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. You're supposed to be our tech guy. What the fuck? <laughs> like, I can see you guys. It's so easy. You sound great. Uh, anyway. It's way better with the Zoom than talking. So just saying, after he ripped me, George did not use his high-end headset, but instead had his settings wrong and used the microphone on his laptop. It's actually not that bad, but yeah. All right, I'm going to count us down. Five, four, three, three two, two, one, one. go down. It's October 2021. This is a Snow Day podcast mini. It's the check-in from a longer episode that we recorded. We sat down to talk about marriage and divorce. It got away on us just a little bit. We had a lot to say. And when I look back, the check-in was long enough to release as its own episode. Right now, here's what's happening with us. Here's the disclaimer. There are some curse words. They're not beeped. It's too much work. And at times, we may be mildly offensive. It's not aimed at you. It's just who we are. This is the Snow Day Podcast with Dr. George Alvarez. Quick check-in. What's uh, going on in Cowtown? Well, it's not going to be quick. I'm going to fucking take my sweet time. You guys have been talking for fucking half an hour. I got shit to say. CEO, Leslie Hansen. You know, there was no vaccine screening. They never even checked my ID at any point in time going into the jury room. And me, Bruce Krentz, the one they left behind. But I was the jury captain. I was the guy that had to stand up and say guilty. He said you come from me lonely. You know what? I'm going to go first. I never go first on the check-ins, but I had such a spectacular moral dilemma two and a half weeks ago that I had to call up my doctor, my general practitioner, my family doctor. Your family doc. (laughs) Your obstetrician (laughs) friend that you don't know what he does. Sure. Dr. George Rich. (laughs) Your family doctor. He's a generalist, really. Does everything. Up with a bit of a sore throat. It started on Thursday before Thanksgiving, and Friday morning I had like that ugly tickle in the throat and a little bit of uh, phlegm going on, and didn't know if I should travel. So we had had taken the day off to go down to Winnipeg to see my mom in Brandon and some of our extended family from out in BC, who I haven't seen in forever. And then go hang out with Marnie's family, which is a big crew of little kids and adults and everything, and uh, had a cold and didn't think that it was responsible of me to travel. I knew in my absolute heart of hearts that it was a cold. I've had this cold two times every winter for the last 50 years. Traveling didn't feel right. And most of it was thinking, okay, if I give one of these kids a cold and they can't go to daycare and their parents have to stay home, I'm an absolute heel. And part of it, I think, is just the heightened awareness. I'm going to lose all these people, days of work, and 
three years ago, there's no way I would have canceled that trip. <laughs> like not a chance. And G- George's advice, which I, I feel like four years ago, you would have said, you're a pussy, go get on this trip, <laughs> get in your car and go. And you were instantly on the, no, you can't go. It's the responsible thing to do. And it was just a, a weird thing. Part of, I think what was going on with me was, it was beautiful weather in Thompson. Thanksgiving was going to be fantastic. <laughs> so I also kind of didn't want to travel. And I even said that to Murph. I said, I, I think maybe I'm making up this cold because I don't want to go down south, which wasn't true. I legitimately had the sniffles and now Paige and Marnie are both sick. So it's probably a good thing I didn't go to my family. But if these were $2,000 plane tickets, so I'm looking at a tank of gas and three days. And it turns out I could cancel my day of work. My boss cracked me up when I called her and I, and you don't call the director of public health and say, yeah, I think I have a sore throat. What's she going to say? Stay home. (laughs) (laughs) And she told me to go get a COVID swab. So Les and I were joking about this, that uh, we were going to make it through. And now you're the last man standing, I think, because I, I went in and got a swab. It sucked. My eyes were watering. It hurt. Like I I think I had a, a bad person on the swab. It was negative, but now I'm staying home and it just kind of sucks, right? And if this was a $2,000 plane ticket, would I have done all of this or would I have said, no, I'm fine? I don't know. It's the new reality that we live in. I think uh, you did the responsible thing. I will act as responsibly myself and be honest and let you know that I'm not the last man standing. I actually had a COVID test about a month ago. (laughs) For the exact same reason, the exact same situation, like literally, I had a cold. I knew it was just a garden variety cold. But uh, I was like, well, what am I going to do? Like, we're supposed to go see Alex's parents that weekend. I go to my trainer's studio. I'm like, it would be horrendously irresponsible for me to go do that when I'm symptomatic. So I went, got a COVID test, and 24 hours later, got the negative. And then I was like, yeah, okay, I'm fine. I just have a cold. (laughs) Right? But... uh, Good to know that you practice what you preach, Bruce, working in uh, public health. I think you got to do it. And it, it, I don't know if this is a small town or just a everybody life story, but my boss, after I called her and she said, yeah, you should go for a COVID swab. But she said, you can cancel your day off. You've got your computer at home. You can work from home. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah. Lorraine, I actually wouldn't mind having a day off, but okay. <laughs> so, so I ended up working and then Marnie had taken the day off, but they were short on subs at the high school. So she called in and she ended up working too. So, I mean, it was a, like a zero net loss to us. We both saved our vacation days and, and we didn't have to travel. And we had two fun days. Friday, we didn't drive. Monday, we didn't drive. Thanksgiving was awesome here. Was it really a sad story for me? I don't know, but I don't know when I'll stop traveling because I have a cold. And I'm curious about that. Like when, after the fourth wave, the fifth wave, George, like you have no idea about this, but when, when is that going to be okay again? Maybe never. Yeah. I'm interested in how you scramble to get a bird for Thanksgiving on such short notice. Well, we're vegetarians. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh yeah. I forgot that. He brought out the tofurkey. <laughs> we, we had a stir fry. It was fine. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So keep, yeah, somehow we just keep forgetting that if we keep logging it up. Well, a few things, three years ago, you would never ask me for my advice. So that was never going to have a conversation anyways. <laughs> I hope those types of things continue. I hope that's a residue of years long past where you kind of toughed it out and you showed up for work and, um, you know, you didn't care who you got sick because you always just had to show up. This actually was, I was literally having this conversation with a couple of residents today on how the pressure they have to show up for work has almost completely evaporated. 
because of how sensitive everybody is to it wow. and how woke ever, you know, like you really got to save your own space and, be, you know, you got to be very conscious of other people. And I said, you're totally right. I remember puking in the middle of the night on call. Like I'd go to my call room and I would vomit and then I go back onto the floor and keep working, which just seems so ridiculous now. But that mentality of, uh, you know, don't be weaker and don't go home. Uh, I think, I hope that's gone forever. Yeah. It's funny because I was a badge of honor for, it still is even with our family, right? Like my dad never took a sick day. Mm -hmm. Sammy, God, he, no, he would have had you carry him into Inco. Yeah, right? no, no. He, he never had it. Well, I mean, I proudly, I have said this story because it involves less. I have never had a sick day from school in my life. Yeah. Yep. From kindergarten to grade 12, I never had a sick day. People don't believe this. And I'm sure when they hit, listen to the pod, they'll call bullshit, but it's true. And the only class I ever skipped was with less. And we skipped like grade 10 gym. <laughs> that was the only class I've never attended. Like he's all like, let's skip it and go to Safeway and get some like Slurpee or, you know, freezies or whatever we did. But that was, I had never missed a day of school or class. The funniest part of that story is it totally wouldn't have been out of the question for you guys to skip gym and go shoot hoops someplace. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we went to the pool. It was free swim. <laughs> yeah. We skipped gym. <laughs> I'm totally with you. Like that was a badge of honor for me too. Like I have, my sick days are super low and I'm lucky I'm, a, I'm just a naturally healthy person. Yeah. My kids too don't haven't done a bunch of sick days. They didn't miss a lot of school. Like we were hard on the, you had to go, but it, that's something that we'll probably look back on and think, yeah, maybe that wasn't as cool as we thought. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. I mean, the only other thing I got on my check-in boys is still struggling with the reopening. I committed to myself to do a year of all the things that I did pre-pandemic. So my social calendar is full now. I'm doing the North Star show. We got band, hockey, all that stuff. But I'm, I don't know. I don't know where I'm at. I still, I still don't love it. I don't dislike any of those things, but I don't know what I'm going to find for my balance. I, I wish Brent Roos and our medical officer of health would put us back on code for a couple months. <laughs> well, we say this every podcast, I think, Bruce. You're a lockdown 1.5 kind of guy. I am a 1.5 guy. I, need, I don't know what my balance is going to be. I just need the guts to, to bail on some of those activities. But Lester, what's going on? Well, in terms of coming out of uh, lockdown... I've got a big event on the horizon here because, uh, what are we at? It's, it's Monday night. Wednesday night is uh, opening night for the Raptors. So after much debate back and forth over the summer and much uh, sort of consternation by the ownership of the team and the province and whatnot over how they were going to handle games, the province just last week announced that uh, Raptors and Leaf games will be 100% attendance. So I'm going on Wednesday to the uh, Air Canada Centre and watch a Raptor game with 20,000 people in a room. So I've had to kind of wrap my head around it. Like I'm excited for it, but I'm also kind of like aware it's going to feel very strange to walk into a room with 20,000 people in it. So we'll see how it goes. I'll let you know how it goes. Will anybody be wearing a mask? Like I'm guessing that's yep. a zero. It's, or you it's have mandatory to, you have to vaccines, mask. right? So okay. vaccine screening for everybody, everybody who works there, everybody who enters and it's masks, mandatory masks. However, <laughs> as with most places we go, it's mandatory masks unless you're eating or drinking. So basically, you're going to walk to your seat, sit down, you're going to have a beer in your hand the entire time you're at the game, so you're going to have a mask off. 
right? So <laughs> I don't know how effective mask policies at uh, sporting events are going to be, but it's an attempt, I suppose, to um, do everything that they can. But yeah, so that's yeah. going to be a big outing for me this week. Poof. Yeah. I haven't been there yet. Bruce, I see you getting anxiety just thinking about it. I know. It's true. Like what? 20,000 people. 100% true. Producer Mike went to uh, Eric Church and uh, same kind of thing in Winnipeg, right? Not quite 20,000, but it was a big event and no masks. And he said, same thing. The first part was tough. And then once you kind of get into it, and especially with a concert, you haven't been to one forever, you feel the bass in your chest and, you know, the whole thing get going and probably a couple of beers in the system. Yeah. And away you go. Bruce, wasn't producer Mike supposed to be going to Eric Church the original snow day week when we were snowed in? <laughs> and that's why he went to, like, he had to put in a gargantuan effort to get to this concert. Like, this was not <laughs> quite right. exactly like the snow day, but I, he, like, he's got North Star billets and his kids were playing, you know, sports and Jenny had things going on. So it was like a, a crazy effort, but there was no way he was not getting to this because you're right, that's, a, <laughs> that's closing a four-year loop. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fantastic. Because the only reason I know who Eric Church is, is because he, he told me, you know, he was supposed to see Eric Church. And I was like, oh, I have no idea who that is, but I feel bad for you, man. So that's why I know the name Eric Church. <laughs> Whatever. And it was an awesome concert. He said it was three hours and just had an absolute blast. But yeah. Yeah, it's great. I'm glad he finally made it there. Yeah, yeah. So the other piece of check-in that I'll give you guys is kind of funny story. I don't think we touched base last week on this. I had a first-time experience last week. I don't know if either of you guys have had this happen in your lives or not, but I actually was called to serve jury duty last week. Oh. Yeah. I, I have not had that. Have I not told this story on the pod? Producer Mike and I were on a jury together. Oh, geez. I don't even know how that happens. Well, it happens in small town, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Happens in in small towns. It was, to make a long story short, it was a murder trial. Do you remember Bob Mayer? Who's a, like a Thompson institution, right? He was the, he was the the defendant guy. As they're going through, so there's 50 people in the room and they start pulling up these numbers of who's going to be the, the jurors. And producer Mike was number one. (laughs) <laughs> first out of the box first out yeah. of the box and he gets up and so him and I drove together it was crazy we both got the letters so we go down to the provincial building and they said is there any reason you can't do this and he said well you know I'm a manager at Scotiabank and we're really short staffed and the judge was like no <laughs> nice, nice, <laughs> nice try but Scotiabank's a big organization you'll be fine he's on to the jury so I'm thinking okay what are the chances and then number seven or eight was me so I go up to the front and they said, is there any reason why you shouldn't serve on this jury? And I said, well, the only thing is like <laughs> juror number one is my brother. And Bob Mayer said, eh, I have no problem with brothers being on a jury together. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> boom, we're both on there. So it was a guy that got stabbed in South Indian Lake. It was a house party that went wow. wrong. Like it was a love triangle and the wrong guy showed up in the wrong place, but it was definitely a murder. And we kind of went through the whole thing, but it was like TV. One day the defense does their thing and you're thinking, okay, absolutely. And then next day it's the prosecution and you think, holy cow, there's a whole nother side to this story. Wow. So how long, how long was the trial? How long were you on it? It was a week. 
we weren't sequestered, so we went home every night, which was kind of nice. And then it was actually Friday that we had to make the decision. And so they had hotel rooms for us and all of that stuff because that day we were supposed to be sequestered, but it took us no time. <laughs> like They took our supper order and we had already decided before the supper order even got there. And I think some people were even <laughs> trying to wait. <laughs> <laughs> to get the free meal. <laughs> but I was the jury captain. Members of the jury, have you reached the verdict? We, the jury, find the defendant guilty as charged. I was the guy that had to stand up and say guilty. Oh, look at you. And that is, that's tough stuff, man. Like you got to look at this guy and send him to jail. Right? Well, let's see. Just fucking killed your check-in. <laughs> you just destroyed it. I was just going to say that. Well, you just shat all over my check-in, but uh, I got nothing else. <laughs> Sorry about that. The, the, the only thing I can say is if you end up on the jury, the and this is probably a flaw in Manitoba, the system, or maybe because it wasn't a, a big enough trial, but like we said to this guy guilty, they march him out of the room. They take us back into the, the jury room where we were all talking yeah. all the time. And 15 minutes later, we're out in the car. Michael and I are driving home together. And <laughs> it, it was actually Friday, like late afternoon. I was like, you're coming over for a drink, right? So we had a big debrief because I mean, you're thinking I just sent some guy to jail and yeah. there was no debrief or no mental health counseling for the jury after that, and there was a 19-year-old girl from Norway House who had been living here for a week and a half now. Like, Wow. Yeah, that's pretty intense. What's the debrief there? Like, Luckily, we had each other. And so <laughs> I guess what I'm saying to you, Les, is if you end up on the jury, <laughs> Marnie just got a jury notice too, actually. Yeah. Find a friend that you can debrief with. <laughs> no, so, so Bruce, last week was my week to be in the jury pool, and I had the exact opposite experience as you. The way it works in Ontario is you get called, you have to sit in the jury pool for a week. Is that, I don't know if that's... The, the oh, so it's not just for one trial, it's just like... No, you have to go sit in a jury pool for one week, which means they bring everybody in. Ordinarily, without COVID, everyone is sitting in one huge room. Because of COVID, people had to be spaced out, so it was multiple rooms, which is another interesting part of the story because the rooms were all Zoom linked together with audiovisual that only half worked, and it was just a total shit show and led to some funny moments. But you have to sit there for a week, and they come and they pull the trials one at a time. And you just you just wait and wait. And uh, if you get put on a trial, you go to that trial. And if not, you have to wait out the entire week. But as luck would have it, so I didn't get picked for the first trial, which I was happy about because it was very boring sounding. And then uh, at about three in the afternoon on the first day, the court clerk comes in and says, okay, I just heard from, uh, you know, we've tallied up all of the, the different uh, judicial offices and there aren't going to be any more jury selections this week so you can all go home so it counts oh. as having served your full week <laughs> so i did my civic duty but i was only there for about three quarters of one day so i got off i got off very lucky 100 yeah. percent different from looking at pictures of a dead guy at 11 in the morning like woof. yeah yeah no exactly <laughs> but the same thing like sort of like what you're saying there's no mental health follow-up my like my biggest takeaway from the process was how shockingly disorganized the whole thing felt. Holy shit, I hope I never end up in an actual courtroom. Like this process is just a shit show. Getting in, they never, like you get all, because you get all this paperwork and all these instructions in advance or not, they didn't follow any of them. Uh, you know, there was no vaccine screening. They never even checked my ID at any point in time going into the, <laughs> into the jury room. They're like, oh, yeah, I have summons for jury. Oh, yeah, yeah, just go, yeah, go in there. Whatever. She writes a little number on it. 
I'm like, this is just does not feel very <laughs> professional. <laughs> but it is what it is. Yeah. Well, it was funny because uh, don't don't put this on the on the pod, but uh... which he then turned yeah. down. Yeah, Les asked me to not put this on, but I had to use my editor's privilege. The story's too good. So here we go. Ontario has just gone back to in-person juries. They're pretty new into setting up rooms with different people and having everybody dial into a, a big Zoom call for all this stuff. And so we get there. It's like 8.30 in the morning. We're sitting in this room and there's two big screens at the front and the screens come on and it's just a full conversation. Like everybody is mic'd in from all over the place and everyone is talking about how they have no clue how the Zoom call works, who can hear them, who can't hear them. They obviously aren't aware that everybody is listening to them. And they're just talking about, yeah, dude, I have no idea how the system works. Blah, blah, blah. At one point, there are a bunch of court officers in the courtroom because one of the screens was like the big wide angle of the great big courtroom. And they were all talking shit about the judge. And everybody's like listening. They clearly didn't know their mics were on. <laughs> The guy at the front of our room comes in. He's like trying to figure out how to turn the volume off on the screen. <laughs> he can't do it. One of the lawyers was was asking, do you have the Wi-Fi password? And the court clerk was like, oh, no, I don't. I don't know what the password is, but I'll just give you my email address because it just logs in automatically. So and she just lists out her, <laughs> like, okay, like 500 people on this Zoom call just figured out how to log into the secure network for the provincial courts building in downtown Toronto. I was just like, God, this is just out of control. <laughs> yeah, the best. Well, maybe I'll comment before I go into my check in that your experiences are, are certainly the opposite of the well-polished Hollywood view of, you know, lawyers and doctor, you know, like if you think about the, the most popular shows in the last two decades, well, it's yeah. reality shows, doctor shows and lawyer shows, yeah. right? Like it's always, it's the same yeah. formula, slightly change the angles a little bit different. And, you know, you can speak on behalf of jury duty and what it is to be in a, in a courtroom. And I can speak on behalf of uh, the doctor side, it is definitely not what they portray on TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it was like this for you, Bruce, but that's how they started off their instructions in the morning. Okay. So the first thing we're going to tell you is this process is not what you've seen on television. <laughs> Aaron's like, oh, oh, shit. I thought I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> well, it's funny because yeah. it, it was a little bit TV-like for me how it took the twists and turns. And, yeah, and it was well. Once in, you're at, in the courtroom, listening to the once case. you once you're in the courtroom, yeah. that part of it was. But you're right, like the instructions and the sheriffs that moved you in and out and all that stuff. It just wasn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like that at all. The other part that I probably wouldn't put on the pot is okay. Fair's fair. I did it to myself too. We have a good friend who's a lawyer that played hockey with us, mm -hmm. who actually came and watched part of the thing, and I think he was learning from some of the other lawyers, but he was also interested. And in the end, we reached out to him, and he said that guy was a bad dude. It's a good thing you sent him to jail. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it, it was hard to tell. The, the thing that, that settled it for me, we can move off of this, was it was as if this guy did a home invasion. The, the guy that died supposedly did a home invasion and attacked one of the, attacked this other guy, the person who killed him. Mm -hmm. But the person who did the killing, his brother never jumped in and helped. And he sort of basically ended up chasing the guy outside and killing him outside, right? So, wow. so it was the two things. It was like, if you did a home invasion on me, once I got you out the door and slammed the door, it's over. 
Yeah. And if yeah. you came in and attacked me in my house and my brother didn't somehow jump in, like just <laughs> sat on the yeah. couch and watched this, that means that I was attacking you. You weren't attacking me, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was good. And we did have a little one-two punch in the jury room. Like I was, cause I was leading the whole thing. Right. And so, but at one point, Michael was just basically like, okay, cut the shit. <laughs> I was busy trying to include everybody and he's like, okay, fuck it. Like we've all seen all the details. This guy's guilty. Okay. I don't know when we go back off the record, but okay, Georgie, we got to throw it to you quick check in and then we got to get to the meat of this thing. What's uh, going on in Cowtown? Well, it's not going to be quick. I'm going to fucking take my sweet time. You guys have been talking for fucking half an hour. I got shit to say. Well, I'll, I'll go backwards for the check-in. So Today, you know, I voted for the municipal elections. So we're getting a new mayor and new ward people and new public and uh, trustees. So uh, we will be hearing about who the new mayor of, of uh, Calgary is. So that was a big one. Two, my mother came for Thanksgiving and she hadn't been to this house yet. So we had this wonderful oh, that's nice. long oh. weekend together, you know, had the big bird because we're not vegetarian. So <laughs> we actually had a bird and Megan did a great job and my mom helped out. Uh, interesting, Les, that you said you went to uh, a basketball game. I went to a preseason game with the Flames. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lost, but it was kind of weird to be in a big room with, I would say it was only half filled because it's preseason, so yeah. it never, it's never sold out. But it was very weird to go in a big room. And it was the same thing where you show up with a mask and then you take it off because you're swilling beer for the next three hours. <laughs> so it's not really, you know, I ended up bringing my son and some of his friends. So they were all excited about going to, to a hockey game. And before I forget, because you mentioned uh, basketball, I ended up listening to that Tim Donahue whistleblower oh, yeah. podcast that you told me about. And I, and I just, I crushed it in a few days, right? I think it was over three or four days. I listened to all eight or 10 episodes. And uh, when you told me you're going to go see the Raptors play, I was not very excited because I had the same feelings that you went, you're like, Holy fuck. This is such a crazy pod and it's totally believable. Yep. Like it's, you listen to it and you're all, these guys are telling the truth. Like it's very obvious. I got to tell you, I'm not very excited about watching basketball. <laughs> and it's, I, I, hope, I hope I get back off that. Yeah. Well, I, I told you it was a good thing. I watched it during the pandemic when there was no live basketball because uh, it took several months for me to recover from listening to that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a really good pot. For, yeah, yeah. I think those are the, the big check ins. I think there was a few other things, but now I've forgotten uh, already because we worry so down. we should get to the meat. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, that's enough checking in. I don't want to recreate our last podcast, but I might need a pee break before we jump into the heart of it. So uh, talk among talk amongst <laughs> yourselves. Right. Don't say anything about me. Well, I'm gonna go get a. Uh, should we pause it? Or just, just let it just, roll. Just let it just let it roll. We'll just we'll just leave it going. Well, I might get another drink then, Lester. Yeah, do it. George, I have some very exciting news for you. I'm just okay. I'm just reading this online. Variety is reporting that after 40 years, yeah. Mel Brooks is finally making a follow-up to History of the World Part One. Oh, your Majesty. How's it going, Marie? <laughs> Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) He's literally making History of the World Part 2 as a a streaming series. What a classic movie. It's so funny. Hey. I missed it. What are we on? 
Mel Brooks is making History of the World Part 2 after 40 years. Oh, my God. Just seeing another article here that says he's 95 years old. <laughs> I saw him with uh, Jerry Seinfeld, comedians having coffee, coffee and cars. Oh, yeah. That was a couple of years ago. And he looked old. Like, <laughs> Seinfeld went to his house, like, with, like, pastrami on yeah. rye and pickles, like a classic oh, yeah. <laughs> Jewish, you know, deli, like a test and move. He looked old then. Like, you're not looking as spry as uh, Captain Kirk at 90. <laughs> like, he looks pretty good at 90, right? Yeah, he looks not bad. Sounds not bad, yeah. too. All right, you've had your pre-break. I've yeah. got, I decided to go a little bit more Ooh, traditional nice. brown liquor. Yeah. Rusty or just straight-up scotch? Uh, straight-up scotch. Yeah, this is too good. Uh, the scotch I don't like that I'm given or it's a little bit too burnt, uh, I put, I do the rusty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks to the rest of the Snow Day podcast, Inner Circle, our brother Steve, social media Todd, producer Mike, and Shannon Bison, the secret weapon. You found us already, you know. We're on Facebook, Snow Day Podcast. We're at Snow Day Pod and snowdaypod at gmail.com.